Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today, our text is taken from Psalm 19, verse 1, which is really a psalm about the Word of God. But the first verse says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. The point is that this verse tells us that God has revealed Himself to mankind. The heavens declare His glory, all the glory of the heavens. You have the sun and the planets and the stars and the vastness of the universe out there to see His handiwork. And of course, the Bible says that he created this out of nothing in an instant of time. And it also says the firmament shows his handiwork, even the things in our own life, even the things that we see, the flowers and the trees and the grass and the weather and all the things that he has provided for us that give us life. We have the sun, so we have vitamin D. We have water and we have a body that functions miraculously, that we're able to move around and to think and to do the things that God has called us to do. All these wonderful things have been provided to us so rich and so free. What a great creator, what a great God, what a great savior who loves us and proved it by going to the cross and bearing our sins in his own body as he hung on that tree. He took our place and because of that we have life and life more abundantly as we put our faith and trust in him and in him alone. radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Abbasad, who has a ministry in the Middle East. He's a global outreach missionary, and the Lord has opened all sorts of opportunities. He's in several countries in the Middle East. He's planted churches in these countries, countries that are in the news, like Syria, like Iraq, like Lebanon, like Jordan, like Libya, like uh, Sudan and others. And today we're talking about uh, the crisis with refugees, uh, particularly in Iraq, as a lot of the Christians are being persecuted And because of that, uh, they're fleeing into Jordan. And Abu has a ministry there. And and so, Abu, why don't you tell us about how the Lord is leading you and and how you're ministering to these refugees? Well, thank you for having me on this broadcast Uh, today. I I would like to share with you what's really going on among these refugees. Uh, Today, we're challenging those churches uh, in all the areas to be part of this, uh, the Great Commission. What we're doing that... uh, uh, helping the churches to reach out those uh, refugees. Uh, so we've been raising uh, a lots of volunteers uh, from different uh, denominations, uh, evangelicals, that they will go daily to those uh, refugees' homes to share Christ with them, uh, share the love of Christ, tell them how uh, God cares about them with uh, giving them some um, food, a food, a bag of food, uh, which is dry food usually we use, contains rice, lentils, and uh, uh, sugar, oil, 
things like this so they can use it uh, for a month almost and this bag is cost about 65 dollars uh, actually plus we're uh, also helping the children uh, giving giving them uh, milk which is very important uh, for them we're distributing a bag of milk uh, for every uh, child uh, in these homes and uh, we're providing blankets we're providing uh, mattresses we're providing uh, sometimes when we have families living in one home, maybe four, five, six families in one apartment, sometimes we, if we could, provide for them a, um, a washing machine uh, or mm-hmm. fridge uh, because they have a lots of kids. When you're saying four families minimum in each apartment, uh, count uh, four times four minimum, that's the minimum uh, number, you get uh, almost 16, uh, how many, um, more than 16 uh, children. So imagine 16 child in one apartment, small apartment, and that's beside the the other uh, folks too. So um, that's a kind of uh, treat for the women there. And um, uh, by doing this, uh, we are having we're having chances uh, to meet uh, and share the gospel. Not just share the gospel, but I'm talking today also to have discipleship, to have Bible studies. Beside all this, people are so happy, the refugees, uh, to uh, see really Christ in us. And uh, we praise God that at least we can show uh, this uh, for those uh, Muslims, Syrian refugees, and some Iraqi refugees too. So uh, today we're showing uh, this uh, love of Christ for those uh, refugees. Today from those refugees, we're getting a good response beside uh, just uh, presenting Christ for them and they're seeing this, applying that, what we are teaching uh, for them as Jesus care, but also they're, they want us almost every day in their homes because uh, they call us and say, uh, we, want, we want you to visit us. Just come without anything. We don't want anything. Just come and visit us. Why? Because uh, when they go to other organizations or even Muslim, Muslim organizations to give them food or whatever other things, they just throw the things for them or they don't, they don't deal with them as human, let me say it this way, as they're uh, explained for us. And so they said, in, instead, you come to us, you bring this stuff for us, you sit down, you chat with us, you hear our sorrows, you hear our problems, and yes, you cannot do very much, but at least you are communicating with us and you're, we're seeing your love and care and we're learning from that. So And, uh, and you're praying with them. Oh yes, definitely. Hmm. Uh, in every time we visit, we uh, if that's only visit without, uh, because now we have weekly the Bible study or weekly, a discipleship program it depends in each family but every uh, and many times we visit them during those weeks so every time we come we pray uh, with them beside in all the churches we're working through uh, the, uh, we're having programs for them once a week we're having a kids club for uh, the children or the second week we will have one week a children program the other week we have something for the women to do handcraft and also do some counseling sessions uh, for them. It sounds like you're doing a really good job there, and I know the Lord's uh, blessing you, and uh, we'll pray that God will continue to give us the resources so that we continue to provide these physical things that they need. But we're so thankful for the spiritual things that you're sharing, and uh, we know that you're going to see a great harvest of of souls there. Lord bless you, and thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to Cannes National Bible Hour. As you are probably aware, this is a listener-supported program. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet entitled Trials by June Hunt. Try to help us to work through different trials that we face throughout the day. In the middle of the booklet, it has some uh, questions and answers. It talks about a hardened heart and then a humble heart. And I just like to read a couple of them to you. I think they're pretty insightful. A hardened heart says, God doesn't care about me. My suffering will never end. The humble heart says, my suffering had a beginning and it will also have an ending. And 1 Peter 5.10 says, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Another one, a hardened heart might say, the Lord turned his back on me and left me broken. The humble heart would say, God is especially close to me when my heart is broken. Psalm 34:18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. In some situations, suffering can be the direct result of a person's destructive choice. In other cases, God often allows the innocent to suffer in order to display his power and divine purposes. John 9, 2, and 3 say this, His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. I highly recommend this booklet. I ask that you write in and ask for the booklet, Trials. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning. I know you enjoy this message very much. Printed copies are available upon request. When the Apostle John was in exile on the Isle of Patmos, God gave him a prophetic vision of Christ's future return to this earth, which John recorded in the 19th chapter of the book of the Revelation in these words, I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Today we have some good news for you. 
But first, let me remind you that trends and tides in the affairs of men do not halt or reverse themselves. If they're halted or reversed, it is because of the intervention of some new force great enough to bring about fundamental change. People living in the closing years of this 20th century are well aware of the powerful trends evident in the economic and social life of Western civilization. Nation after nation, including our own, is moving inexorably toward financial and economic chaos, impelled by the consequences of pyramiding debt, which mismanagement and fiscal irresponsibility on the part of governments at all levels has allowed to get out of control. This is an area in which it will take the intervention of a very powerful and responsible new political force to halt and reverse the current trend. Grimm's statistics chart the even more serious trend to universal social and moral decadence as we reap the inevitable consequences of abandoning spiritual verities and condoning as human rights an ever-increasing list of social evils and moral perversions. We can't say we haven't been warned. For nearly 2,000 years, mankind has had in his possession the divine revelation of absolute and eternal truth, recorded by inspiration of God in the infallible scriptures, which tell us plainly that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's equally true of nations. In other words, we cannot escape the immutable laws of cause and effect. The Bible is equally clear in its description of the current trends to spiritual apostasy and what the end result will be. We read in 2 Timothy 3 that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Now that's describing not only a condition but a trend. As a consequence, the same chapter tells us in the last days, perilous times shall come. We see these conditions on every side today. And the best efforts of men are proving futile against the trend so firmly established. As a result, many people are prone to give way to despair. They see no hope for the future. They worry about the kind of world their children and grandchildren will face. Our message to you today is be of good cheer. As I said at the beginning of this talk, there's good news for you. There is a golden future ahead for this old earth and the people who inhabit it. It isn't going to be destroyed by a nuclear holocaust or by environmental catastrophe or any other form of human folly. Someday the destructive trends that worry people today will come to a sudden end not by human effort, but by divine intervention. Someday Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is coming back in person to take over the management of this earth. And when he does, he'll usher in another of God's great days that the scriptures refer to as the kingdom of heaven on earth. That kingdom will not be an abstract spiritual kingdom brought about gradually by the efforts of men and women who long for a better future. It will be a literal kingdom 
ushered in by the personal return of Jesus Christ to this earth at a time when world conditions under the rule of man have reached a state of chaos and hopelessness. His divine intervention at his personal return as King of Kings and Lord of Lords will be the factor that will halt and reverse the evil destructive trends which today are causing ever-increasing anxiety and concern. And so today we add to the list of God's great days, which we've discussed in recent talks, the coming day of Christ's millennial kingdom of heaven on this earth. Christ's coming as Israel's Messiah and the recovery and restoration of God's people Israel to their promised role in his future kingdom is a central theme of God's revelation through the Old Testament prophets. When John the Baptist came on the world scene as the forerunner of Christ, his message to the Jews was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Christ in his preaching and parables dwelt repeatedly on the conditions that will prevail in that kingdom. When the Jews refused to believe that he was their Messiah, even after his deity was confirmed by his bodily resurrection from the dead and the revelation of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, God set Israel aside temporarily, and through the gospel of grace which he revealed to the Apostle Paul, reached out to the entire world to establish another group of chosen people, his universal church of this present age. When his church is complete, he will appear in the clouds of heaven and remove it from this earth. Following the translation of the church, there will come the great day of God's wrath, which we discussed last week, and which will end when after pouring out the vials of God's wrath on the Christ-rejecting world, he will destroy the godless Antichrist and his armies at the great battle of Armageddon. Then will follow his judgment of the nations of the earth as described in Matthew 25, 31 to 46. He will then proceed to establish his long-promised millennial kingdom of heaven on earth over which he will reign as king of kings and lord of lords. In ushering in his millennial kingdom, he will perform a series of momentous events of worldwide significance. One of the first things he'll do is a mobilized Satan. The Apostle John describes this in Revelation 20 in these words. I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. Think of what that will mean. The devil, the arch deceiver of men, and all his destructive evil influence is going to be removed completely from this earth for the entire thousand years of Christ's earthly reign. What a respite from trials and temptations that will be. Christ will then resurrect the Old Testament saints and regather the living remnant of the house of Israel from among the Gentile nations where they've been scattered for so many years. 
Matthew 8.11 says, They shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abram and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 11 says, It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand the second time to recover the remnant of his people. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Isaiah 35.10 adds, The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Christ will then reestablish the throne of David in Jerusalem, which will be the headquarters of his millennial kingdom. Then will be fulfilled what the archangel Gabriel promised the Virgin Mary concerning her Christ child. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Under Christ's reign, the whole earth will undergo a miraculous change. The physical earth will change. There will be no more environmental problems. Isaiah 35 says, The desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. In the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. The, the prophet Amos describes the physical abundance of that age in these words. The plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed. Even the animals will lose their ferocity. Isaiah 11 says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. There will be no more wars. God says in Isaiah chapter 2, They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. My, what an age that will be. Speaking of Christ's reign, Isaiah 11 says, With righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. In that future day, Christ rule over the entire earth, and all peoples of the earth will be absolute. It will be a theocracy, that is, government by the direct rule of God. It will be government different from any government this world has ever known. Christ is the only one who can be trusted to govern with absolute authority because he is divine and therefore altogether righteous. His decrees are always just, his word always true, his actions always righteous, his judgments always right. In a democracy, the godless always are in a minority. That's why there never will be a Christian government in our present age. 
the most a Christian minority can do in a democracy is bring their influence to bear on the process by which the majority decisions are made. But someday all this will be changed. When Christ establishes his kingdom of heaven on this earth, majority opinions and decisions no longer will dictate the form of government that will prevail. All authority and power in that day will be vested in the supreme king of kings and lord of lords, the all-wise, altogether righteous, eternal God who never makes a mistake. Think that it w what it will be like to be on this earth during that coming day of Christ's millennial reign. No more wars or strife of any kind, no sickness or sorrow or death, no injustices or iniquities, no poverty or hunger or want, no violence, no crime, no immorality, no fear, but the whole earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It is important for Christians to know where they fit into Christ's coming kingdom. The preserved remnant of the house of Israel, together with the resurrected Old Testament saints, will be the privileged subjects of his kingdom. Matthew 19.28 says that the twelve apostles whom Christ chose when he was here will sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. The Gentile peoples and nations left after the Antichrist destruction will occupy the positions Christ will allot them when he judges the nations at his coming. But we who are members of his church through having believed and responded to his glorious gospel of grace and received him as our Savior, will live and reign with him, not as his subjects, but as his chosen bride. What a glorious and indescribable privilege. As I close, I raise again the matter of the serious trends we see all around us today. They cry out the inevitability of future chaos unless halted by the intervention of someone wiser and stronger and greater than we. But when viewed in the light of the prophetic scriptures, they also give a clear indication that the hour of God's intervention through the personal return of Jesus Christ to this earth is very near at hand. Oh, my friend, are you ready for his return? Have you believed his gospel of grace? I trust the message you just heard will be a great blessing to you and that maybe some of the spiritual truths that were shared you can apply to your own lives this week. Here at Kaz National Bible Hour, we're always concerned about those who may be listening who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And of course, the scriptures are very clear that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us that deserves to be in God's presence. There's no way really to get to God unless God would do something for us. And he did. He sent the best gift he had in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, called the indescribable gift. And the Lord Jesus was obedient, and he became a man. He babe in a manger, lived a sinless life uh, with the whole goal of going to the cross. And on the cross, he thought about you and me. He bore our sins in his own body as he hung on, on the tree. And so the Bible says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If you truly trust God, to forgive your sins, uh, to cleanse you, and to have a relationship with Him, God will 
receive you, God will save you. But as many as receive him, unto them gave he the right to become the children of God. Don't forget to write in this month to get your copy of Trials uh, by June Hunt. It's a wonderful booklet that uh, will really help you through the trials and tribulations that we face each day. And I know it will be a great encouragement to you. Please write to Candace National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also hear past messages of Canada's National Bible Hour on our website at missiongo.org, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. Also, we have a internet radio broadcast at MGO. And you can also get that on our website as well. We're on the air 24-7 each day. And we would encourage you to listen to that as you can hear many biblical messages and good Christian music each day. And don't forget to remember us in your prayers. We'd covet your financial giving. So we want to thank you in advance for what you will do for us and help us to do this work of getting the gospel out to the world.